Are you struggling as a parent? Or is your child struggling and you're just not sure what to do? They might be struggling with something emotional, like depression, anxiety, loneliness, cutting, or getting bullied. It's hard for us as parents to know what to do. Well, welcome to the Dr. Todd Talks podcast. I've worked with over 10,000 families from all over the world. I've worked with celebrities, I've worked with royalty, and I've worked with normal families like you and I. We all just want to have happy, resilient kids. How do you do that when your child gets a little bit off track? Well, if you're a parent struggling right now, and you feel like you're at the end of your rope and just not sure what to do, then listen to my stories of connection, where I'm going to share hope and relief and strategies on how to create happy, resilient kids. Let's get started. Hi, my name is Dr. Todd Corelli. I'm a clinical psychologist, and most importantly, I'm a father. My area of expertise over the last 25 years has been answering one simple question. How can any parent have the most influence possible with their children, no matter how bad the current situation may be? I've discovered many amazing things over the last 25 years. Things about communication and connection and about building a true lasting influence with your kids. Most of which I will share with you in this four part video series. This series is about giving you the tools to be able to be a more effective parent. We all struggle with parenting at times. Our kids can be defiant, they can be difficult, they can be going through their own challenges which they don't even know how to handle and we don't even know how to help them handle them. I've helped parents through almost every conceivable situation. I've helped parents when their kids are on drugs, when they're in trouble with the law, when they're being bullied, when they are the bully, if they're constantly acting up or misbehaving. I've helped kids who suffer from depression, anxiety, trauma, and every other mental health challenge you can think of. There's really very little in the parenting world that I haven't seen or experienced. And I want you to know right off the bat, this is a zero judgment zone for me. Nobody is given a manual with all the rules and guidelines about how to become a parent and what to do in every situation. I've had my own struggles in my own family. I relate intimately to what you might be going through. I think kids are complex, life is messy, families are complex, and we all struggle. So I want to congratulate you for watching these videos and showing the dedication to helping your kids and improving your family life. I want to start off by painting a picture that I think might be familiar to you. I'm going to talk about a couple parenting situations that we've all been through. And then I'm going to share some insights into how our parenting sometimes can go sideways. So we're going to first start off by talking about Emily and Sarah. Emily and Sarah were sisters and they were best friends. Emily was older and Sarah was just the perfect adoring little sister. Emily loved to play with Sarah and Sarah loved all the attention that she got from her sister. But one of their favorite things to do was to dance and lip sync to their favorite songs. And they even created these elaborate dances and began having these little mini performances every Sunday night for their family. And after a couple of these performances, they decided to name themselves, they called themselves the Rock Twins. And then they made this large elaborate poster which would advertise their next upcoming performance. However, after a couple of days, Right before their next performance, Sarah did something that really bugged and really upset her older sister, and that's when Emily retaliated. And like most siblings, Emily knew just how to hurt Sarah. She called her some names, and then she took that poster they made and she ripped it up. And it really wasn't just about the ripped poster. Sarah was devastated that her older sister no longer wanted to be her best friend. Well, a few minutes later, Emily and her dad were having one of those talks. And by talks, I mean dad was lecturing, and he was doing all the talking, 
and Emily was listening and she was wishing this talk would end as soon as possible. It was actually pretty calm, it was very straightforward. Emily was told that she was being selfish and impulsive and hurtful. And while dad was talking, Emily was sort of staring at the floor and there's tears in her eyes and she's saying that she's sorry, but her voice really didn't have much conviction in it. It was as if she had said, I'm sorry a million times already. But for some reason, just saying those words seemed important at the time. Well, after she said that, there was a little bit of silence and then dad hugged her and told her that he loved her. What do you think about this situation? Do you think this was a good resolution? Was this dad's parenting method effective? I mean, Emily felt bad and she apologized, so there seemed to be a good chance that she'd stop behaving that way in the future. She was conforming with her dad's wishes, which is exactly what he wanted. But do you think she gained any new insights or did her attitude really improve? The answer is of course not. She was just simply fearing her father's disapproval. So generally speaking, parental disapproval usually creates a lot of fear and conformity, but not much more than that. It does not resolve anger. It does not resolve misunderstandings. It does not mend hurt feelings, create new insights, improve attitudes, or create new learning. And so when the source of the fear, which is the disapproving parent, when that is removed, so is the control and conformity. That's gone as well. Now, most of us as parents, we try to influence our kids with our words. We try to reason with them. We lecture them and we work really hard trying to get them to see why we want them to do or not do something. So like when they fight at home, we make them stop. When they throw tantrums, we tell them to knock it off. If the tantrums are bad enough, we use some kind of punishment to force them to stop. When they're little and they don't share with their friends, we tell them to share. We tell them to obey mommy, obey daddy, and that's, those are the things that we say. But what we're teaching them from the time they're young is to conform with what we want because we know best. Then when they become teenagers, we suddenly tell them to think for themselves instead of behaving like their peers. So from the time our kids are young, we raise them to conform with external pressure, which is us telling them what to do. Then we suddenly hope that as teenagers, they will think and choose for themselves and they will ignore external pressure, which is their peers. The consequences of focusing solely on external pressure with our parental conformity when a child is young are much more tragic than I think anybody thinks about. There's one thing I am sure about. If you raise your kids to pay attention to you and be governed by external pressure, which is doing what you say, when they grow up, they will continue to be guided by external pressure, which is what their peers say. So now I wanna introduce you to a vitally important concept that I call the parenting paradox. As parents, we want the best for our kids. So we work hard, we provide for them, we plan for their future, and this is how it should be. This is perfectly natural for us as parents also to control what happens to our kids when they're young. In fact, most of us usually enjoy taking care of our kids because it's really simply an expression of our love for them. It's, it's very natural and it's very normal, at least initially it is. But eventually a funny thing starts to happen. As our kids grow older, they want to start changing the rules. And this stage starts usually around the time the child is two or two and a half, and then it, it never stops from there. But then a funny thing starts to happen. When our kids get older, they want to start changing the rules. And this usually starts around the time they're two or two and a half, and it never stops from there on out. The most obvious sign of this change is when kids start having their own ideas about what they think is best for them. And those ideas usually have nothing in common with what we think is best for them. And so this is where the clash of wills starts. And we as parents struggle for control and our kids 
yearn for their independence. So we start bargaining for control. You know, we have the we have the most leverage. You know, yes, you can go with your friends on Friday, but only if your room is clean. And children will resist. They can become passively defiant. You know, I tried to clean my room, but I couldn't find the vacuum. It wasn't my fault. The love between kids and parents gradually becomes a struggle of competing wills. Children want independence, parents want control. And that's where the paradox begins to emerge. And this is the paradox. Children crave independence long before they're ready for it, and parents want control long past the time they should have it. The fact is this, the more you as parents do to manage, control, and protect your kids while they're young, the less they will learn about managing themselves when they get older. Likewise, the more children are protected from the real consequences of their choices, the less likely they are to understand that those choices have lasting consequences. And the more children's behavior is guided by external expectations from you as parents, the less likely these kids are to learn what they should expect from themselves, and the more likely they're gonna to continue to seek external validation from their peers. So this is where the paradox starts to become obvious. A child's potential for increasing independence and maturity is stifled because they really quickly learn that they need to conform to their, their parents' expectations and wishes, and we do that to them. Sometimes they might conform as a way of getting our approval or staying out of trouble. Other times they're just accommodating us because it's easier to get what they want if they appear to be more pleasing than they actually really feel. What they appear to be gradually becomes more important than what they actually feel and who they actually are. I think what most of us don't realize is that this is a critical mistake to encourage compliance at the expense of them learning how to make their own important choices early in life. I think the results can be tragic. However, there's an alternative and that's what I'm here to talk about. It's more difficult in the short run, but it's much more rewarding to you as parents and to the kids in the long run. But this alternative requires you as parents to actively and consistently prepare your children to be adults long before it's time for them to actually be an adult. So how do we do this? We do this by not doing anything for children they can and should be doing for themselves. This includes making age-appropriate choices and living with consequences and learning those important lessons from their own experiences. This approach actually totally ends the power struggle between us and our kids. Why does it do that? Because we as parents become expert teachers. We help them learn from their own experiences and their own feelings. But it's a special kind of teaching relationship because we don't want conformity and compliance. That's not the outcome. So we're going opposite of, of what our inclinations are. Instead, learning these lessons from their own experiences will teach them lessons of character and self-control that you just can't get any other way. So understanding this paradox is really the only way to escape from it. Now let me share another story with you to illustrate this paradox. We will call this dad and mom Dave and Sue. Dave and Sue never understood this paradox, so they kept trying to help their son by doing things for him that he should have been doing for himself. Initially, I think this was very innocent of them, but there were a million minor incidents spread across a childhood that ruined their relationship with him, and I really think it had a devastating impact on his life. The story I'm gonna tell you might seem a little bit extreme, but I don't think it is, because the underlying ingredients that caused the problem are very common, and I've seen these regularly with my clients. 
Dave and Sue's 19-year-old son, Sam, had asked to use the family cabin for a short vacation with some of his friends. And it wasn't a good idea, and the parents knew it wasn't a good idea, but they had their reasons for considering his request. Here's the background. When Sam was 14, he started changing. They started fighting, and heartache had become very common for them. Prior to that, Sam had been a sweet, sensitive, bright, funny kid. And now his grades are plummeting, and he's staying out all hours of the night. His parents tried everything. They pled with him. They demanded that he would come home at a decent hour, but nothing ever worked with Sam. Well, eventually they found out that things were a whole lot worse than they had ever, ever thought. Sam was involved with bad friends. He was drinking, he was using, and he was selling drugs. When they approached him about it, Sam was arrogant and dismissive. He was defiant. Nobody could tell Sam what to do. You know, Dave and Sue had seen this kind of problem in other families, but they never dreamed this would happen to them. Well, Sam moved out as quickly as he could. When he was 18, he was out of there. He was really tired of his parents' attempts to discipline and control him. Since he moved out, Sam has been arrested for drunk driving. He's been in a court-ordered drug rehab program, and he's been fired from four jobs. He still lives with five of his older friends in an apartment that they share. Now, recently, Sam's been talking about going back to school. He wants to do better, that's what he's saying to them. And naturally his parents are thrilled about this. Maybe he's finally, finally come out of this. They wonder, you know, is he finally growing up? And so that's why they're now struggling with his request to use the family cabin for a week. They wanna show that they care about him. They wanna show that they believe in him, but there's problems like who's gonna be in the cabin? Will there be drinking and will there be drug use? Eventually Dave and Sue decide to do it. They're gonna loan the cabin this is sort of their expression of support for Sam, but there are conditions. He has to promise that there won't be any drug use, no alcohol use, and naturally Sam is gonna say whatever he needs to say to get exactly what he wants. This is basically what he's been doing for the last four years. His parents sort of suspect that he's doing that, but they're willing to take the chance because they really are trying to entice their son back to him. So they keep trying to engineer circumstances for their son. They're doing that because they hope that they can kind of influence the direction of his life. But the whole time they're doing this, they're oblivious to the fact that they're also creating the very problem that they're so concerned about. Let me add a little commentary right here. I think the power struggle between a parent and child in this story is very common. I think we can all relate to it. At the heart of the matter are parents that are still trying to control and protect their child who long ago won that power struggle. Now he resents them, he might occasionally appear to be more compliant with their wishes, but that's just really his way of getting what he wants. And for the most part, it, it works well still. Now, I want you to imagine, if you will, the nature of the interactions between Sam and his parents years ago when Sam was a small child. What do you see, for example, when it's cold outside and Sam refuses to wear his jacket? Do you think dad makes him keep warm anyway, insisting that he wear that jacket? Or do you think dad would allow him to suffer being cold for a little while? Or when Sam's a little older, are his parents doing his homework for him? He has an essay that's all of a sudden due tomorrow. Do they write that for him? Are they paying for his traffic fines? I think because his parents kept him from ever really experiencing any natural consequences, he never learned about personal responsibility and he never learned about the consequences of being irresponsible. So you can take all these tiny experiences like this across his childhood and you can understand how Sam became that way you can understand how Sam became the way he is today. The truth is that many parents could really magnify their influence with their kids by just helping them learn from their experiences rather than micromanaging what they're allowed to experience. 
So when kids are about to do dumb things, I think the jobs of parents might be to help them understand why this is dumb, but not to protect them from it. When this happens often enough, when a kid is young and mistakes are minor, they probably won't be nearly as foolish when they're older and when the mistakes really do matter. So that's a snapshot of the parenting paradox, which lays out the problem that I think we, we parents face. And to, let me restate it. The more you manage, control, and protect your children when they're young, the less your kids will learn about managing themselves as they get older. The more your children are protected from the real and natural consequences of their choices, the less likely they are to understand that those choices have lasting consequences. The more your children's behavior is guided by external expectations or pressure from you as parents, what you expect from them, the less likely they are to learn what they expect from themselves and the more likely they will continue to seek external validation from their peers. In the next video, I wanna share a couple of key tips with you to overcome this paradox and start building true influence with your children. Now we're gonna explore the power of feelings and what I call the influence that comes from within. I look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, thanks for listening. This is Dr. Todd. And if you would like to move forward with healing yourself and helping to heal your children, I'd like to invite you to the Parenting Made Easy Challenge. It's a free challenge, and it's going to be private and confidential. You don't even have to have your camera on. But I would like to invite you to a free, small, mini-workshop where I'm going to show you some strategies of how to start to heal yourself and your children and your family. This is especially important around the holidays, which is a very stressful time with a lot of heartache, a lot of loneliness, and a lot of stress. So I invite you to sign up. You can click the link inside of the show notes inside the description of this episode and sign up for free. And then you can meet me live so I can show you some strategies of how to get through the holidays and how to start the process of healing your family.